If you're anything like me and you grew up in church and then you went away for a while and you came back, you've probably got a story. And it's, um, it's some, some of our stories are kind of funny, some are sad or whatever. But one of the main reasons I stopped going to church when I was a kid, I was in church every Sunday. And let me just say this, I learned some incredible stuff going to church. For example, I learned that David beat Goliath with a rock. It's pretty awesome, right? How many of you have heard the story of David beat Goliath with a rock? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, like, even the non-Christians know that one, right? I heard that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which I thought, if I ever have triplets. <laughs> I mean, right? Uh, but the, I, I, they walked through the furnace and they didn't get burned. I learned that Daniel went through the lion's den. I even learned that Jesus rose from the grave. It's crazy. Learned all those things. But here was my problem. As a kid and then as an adult, like kind of going about church for the first time, nothing that I learned on Sunday was applying to my life Monday through Saturday. Like I was learning some incredible Bible stories, but I couldn't figure out what that had to do with my... I, and, and every once in a while, the sermon was incredibly confusing. And in church world, when we don't know what the heck the pastor's talking about, we've got a term for that. We turn and we look at our friends and we go, that was deep. <laughs> deep means I don't have a freaking clue what that guy just said, but man, I got to go back next week to get confused again. Like that's, so, but I don't like being, I stay confused. But I've got to have things simple. I've had people like, tell me, I love the way you make things simple. It's because that's the way I, I, I see things as simple. So nothing was applying to my life. Now, on the flip side, the, the things and the struggles that everybody in the church was having, church wouldn't talk about it. For example, money. Did y'all feel that? Cheeks got real tight when I said money. It's like, oh, shoot. It, it, the church don't want to talk about money. Even though Jesus talked about money more than any subject that he ever talked about. 16 out of the 38 parables have to do with money. Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Jesus said you get your money right, that's the first step to getting your life right. That's what Jesus said. But we don't want to talk about money in the church. Which is insane because there's not a person in the room or watching online this week that hasn't thought or worried about money. I haven't thought about money or worried about money. Oh, well, obviously you didn't fill up your gas tank this week. <laughs> like I'm not wearing a mask for my nose and my mouth, but I thought about getting one for my eyes every time I fill up a full of gas because dad gone. It, church don't talk about sex. Don't talk about it. Well, the church I went to, they did talk about it. They just, this was their message. Don't do it. And I remember being a kid looking at the person saying, don't do it, and wondering if they ever actually had done it. And if they had, it had probably been so long since they'd done it, they forgot about it. So why would I take advice from them? There's not a person in the room this week that didn't think about sex. Not one. And the church won't talk about it 
except say don't do it, when there's an entire book of the Bible dedicated to sex. Song of Solomon. Hello. I love that book. That's a great book. I've had people try to tell me, well, that's actually a metaphor for Christ and the church. No, mm-mm, no, it's not. When you climb in palm trees and take a hold of fruit, I mean, that, that is not Jesus and the church, okay? I told y'all this one won't be kid friendly. Church didn't talk about issues like, or, or they said this, sex is gross, it's awful, it's dirty, save it for the one you love. And then the church didn't talk about mental health. We, di- we didn't. We didn't talk about mental health or emotional health. We didn't talk about anxiety. We didn't talk about depression. And we definitely didn't talk about suicide. Now, I went to some charismatic churches that, that gave anxiety and depression that th- those weren't Illnesses, they were demons with names, and they would just try to cast demons out of you. Now, let me just say, I think anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts are demonically influenced. But I'm, listen, we, we can't blame the devil on everything. I've met people, I tried to crank my car this morning, and the devil wouldn't let my car crank. Okay, there's 8 billion people on the planet. The devil can only be at one place at one time. He does not care about your Prius, all right? <laughs> Pastor Pete, pray for me. My dog's possessed by the devil. No, it's not. But my cat's possessed. It probably is. But, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? I wish. Let me, let me, let me tell y'all. I wish anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts, I wish they were a demon and I could just have some oil up here and you could walk up and I could slay you out. You'd be falling all over the place. We'd like, let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Like we would, we would rock it out every Sunday. I'd just be slaying everybody. I'd slay myself if I could, right? But we don't, we don't, we don't talk about it unless it gets weird. Like we can't talk about mental health or emotional health. In fact, this is the only thing that we'll say about suicide. And if you grew up in church, this is what you heard about suicide. You heard that if a person dies by suicide, they go to hell. How many heard that? How many heard that? Okay. Let me just let me let me just clear the air real quick, okay? That's not true. It's not true. The only reason. According to the scriptures, a person goes to hell is because they don't have a relationship with Jesus. That's it. In fact, if you come to this church and you go to hell, then you had to step over a bloodstained cross to get there because you hear the gospel every single week. Now, I can explain to you where that thought came from. It's, it comes from, it's an it's a idea in, um, in Catholicism about four or 500 years ago. I'm not saying they believe it today, but they believed about four hundred five years ago that um, if you sinned and you did not confess that sin before you died, then you went to hell. And because suicide would be a sin, if, and if you 
did this, if you did suicide and you, you didn't have a chance to confess that. Now, the problem with that is the logic behind it doesn't carry out. For example, if you're driving down the road and you're fracturing the speed limit a little bit and a car pulls out in front of you and you say, mother, <laughs> and you die, you go to hell. Now, that's not true. But let me just say this. If, and I want to say this to put somebody at rest because in the last service, um, I had a friend who had a family member here whose son um, experienced death by suicide and was, was told by a pastor, I can't do your son's funeral because your son went to hell. And that's just not true. And I want to talk to you today not, I'm talking to you today not as a theologian, because I'm not a theologian. I'm not talking to you as a mental health expert. I'm talking to you as a survivor. Most of you know, or many of you know, back in July of 2016, I nearly took my own life. This is the gun that I was going to use. It's real. It's 357 Magnum, stainless steel, Smith & Wesson. This is the bullet I was going to use. So when I tell you that I'm talking to you as a survivor, I'm, some are like, you, you brought a gun to church? Mm-hmm. I did. We'll get back to this later on. Leave that right there. There's four things I want you to know. If you're considering suicide, if you know someone that has experienced death by suicide, I, there's four things I want you to know and understand today. Number one is this. God really does have an amazing plan for your life. God really does have an amazing plan for your life. Now, if you're anything like me, you can take a statement like this and believe it for somebody else. Like I can, I don't care who you are or what you've done. You can sit in front of me and I can say, you're forgiven. God's got a plan. You're forgiven. God's got a plan. You're for, I've met a couple of people like, eh, but okay, yeah, yeah, he forgave that too. So you're forgiven. God's got a plan. But when it comes to me, I have a hard time believing that about me and the reason why is this. I know what I've done. I know the stuff that I've done that you can't Google. I know the stuff I've thought about doing. I know the stuff I would have done had I been able to get away with it. And so because of all that stuff, I'm like, God's got a plan for other people. But me? Nah, God ain't got a plan. But Scripturally, the, the, the place we're going to land today is with a guy named Elijah. 
Now, for the past several weeks, we've been in a series called You Matter, and we've been talking about a gentleman by the name of Elisha and another guy named Naaman. But before there was Elisha and Naaman, there was a guy named Elijah. Now, if you grew up in church world, you know Elijah's story. He went to the top of Mount Carmel. It's not Mount Caramel. It's Mount Carmel, and he called fire down from heaven. Just going to throw that out there. I've never been able to pull that off. I tried a couple times. I tried this week. If I'd have been able to do it, there, there, was a, there, there would have been a Kia on Clemson Boulevard. You wouldn't have made it. That'd be an awesome trick. <laughs> wouldn't you love that? He called fire down from heaven. And, and then it hadn't rained in three and a half years. So he prayed for rain and it rained. Now just pause for a second. Can we all agree that Elijah was connected with God, yes or no? Yeah, because you've got to have some connections to be calling fire down from heaven and rain down from heaven. That's, that's connected. And somebody can look at Elijah's life and say, well, that he does miracles, and because he does miracles, God has a plan. But it's bigger than that when it comes to us because I'm not talking about us doing miracles. I'm talking about you and I are actually miracles. You, your life, is a, it's a miracle that you're here. I'll prove it to you. Watch this. Watch this. So, some of y'all are nervous. I'm not going to pick the gun up until the end of the message, all right? Your odds of being struck by lightning are 1 in 500,000. Now, for me, this is a little bit more because if there's a thunderstorm, I'll go out on my back porch and watch it. I will. I love thunder and lightning. And somebody told me the other day, they're like, okay, I've heard in my science class, if you get struck by lightning, you need to lay on the ground. I'm like, is there another option if you get struck by lightning? <laughs> it's not like you get struck and you're like, I believe I can fly. Like you, <laughs> you're, watch this, this is, this one freaks me out, but I had to share it. Your odds of being bitten by a shark is one in 5 million. My, my odds of being bitten by a shark are zero because your boy don't get in the ocean. I'll look at it, but I don't. What, what? You love your daughter. What if she wanted to get in the ocean? Let me be still. Let me tell you a picture. All right, good. I'm, glad. I'm not getting in the ocean. Didn't y'all see that video on YouTube? Don't go into shark's house. I don't know if y'all seen that or not, but it changed your life. Your odds of winning the lottery are 1 in 14 million. Now, if, just honest question. How many of y'all, if you won the lottery, you would tithe on it? Just be honest. Y'all, come on, raise your hand. Okay. Y'all, y'all just go ahead and start tithing now <laughs> and get ready to win, all right? This next one, this is crazy. Your odds of being born are 1 in 400 trillion. You're a miracle. Like, if your mom wouldn't have went to the club that night. (laughs) There's a greater likelihood of you being struck by lightning while being bit by a shark and winning the lottery at the same time than there is of you being born. And I'm sick of this because people go, I'm not a winner. I've never won anything. Oh, you've been a winner at least once in your life. 
Because when the sperm was released from your father, you were swimming. You were like getting ahead, getting ahead, and you got it. Your mom, that was the best goalkeeper in the world, but you got it by the goalie, and you won. Herbert, did he say sperm in church? Yes, it's what it's called. It's the biological term. Thank you very much. So, so we, can, we can talk about the miracles that Elijah did, but you are a miracle. It's a miracle that you're here. You were custom designed in God's image. There's nobody else like you. Nobody. Nobody on the planet. God has an amazing plan for your life. That's where we got to start because we don't start there. We, we can't really go anywhere, which leads to number two. The main battlefield is our minds. Every once in a while, somebody asked me to go to a movie. I, I had, y'all, you know, I've been in a movie theater since before COVID. And they, everything just gets released on TV now. Why should I go to the movie? Um, but people ask me to go to movies, and I like, you know, I can't do certain movies. Like, I'm done with John Wick. And when you kill 748 people with a toothpick, I'm over a dog. I mean, come on, for the love of God, man. I can't do John Wick. I can't do, I, I can't do um, scary. Don't get me wrong. I love a good mystery. I love a good thriller. I'm talking about like demonic, like little five-year-old girl comes in the room, her head twists around, and she throws the priest through the wall. Mm-mm. I, I, don't, I, I see enough of that in real life. I ain't trying to pay money to go see it. But unfortunately, Hollywood has us convinced that that's how the devil works. He wants to possess our, you know, our cars, and he's going to like throw us through walls. Uh-uh. The battle is for our minds. This is where it's won or lost right here. So Elijah had just performed a couple pretty big miracles. The king of Israel at the time, his name was Ahab, and he had solved the whole thing. Elijah just killed after that, by the way, 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. So this is what happens next, and this is kind of crazy. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, if you're looking for a baby name, that's not it. (laughs) Everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. Now watch this. This is crazy. So Jezebel sent this message. Hold on to this phrase right here. Sent this message. Hold on to this phrase. We're going to come back to this. Sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Now, question. On, just on the surface, what should Elijah's response have been? I, I thought I immediately went to the nutty professor, the Eddie Murphy edition. <laughs> if I'd have been, I'd have been like, come on over, Jezebel. Come on over. You're going to walk over. You're going to limp back. You're going to walk. I mean, I would have been like, bring it, woman. Bring it. I just called down fire from heaven. I just made it rain, not this way, but like the real rain. I just, 
I just killed 850 of your people. Bring it, Jezebel. But the battles for our minds and sometimes even, see, this is the myth. Godly people don't struggle with this. Nobody in this room or watching online has ever made fire come from heaven, made it rain after a three-year drought. Elijah was absolutely godly, but he gets this message from Jezebel, and he was afraid and fled for his life over a message, over a message. Now, my question is, if he did this over a message from Jezebel, no wonder we're so messed up sometimes because of the messages that we get. One message made him run. How about the messages that come at you? Here's what's funny. And sad, we will receive things that come to us through this and reject God's word at the same time. Somebody will call you a bitch or a slut or a whore and you will say, that's exactly who I am. And that's not what God said. That's not what God said. But we, we take the messages. And hey, listen, listen. I get it. There was a season in my life that my world was so dark because I paid so much attention to the messages here that I couldn't see the message coming to me from heaven. He'll say, he'll say the enemy will say things to you. He'll say things like this. He'll say, he'll say um, the world would be better without you. That's what he told me. He said, you have caused so much hurt, so much pain, so many people are mad at you. The world would just be better without you. He says stuff like no one really cares. That's usually after a day or two of nobody's really reached out to you or something. He'll say stuff, He'll say stuff like, um, you've gone too far, you might as well just end it. I can feel it in the room. There are people you've wrestled with these thoughts. All right, Pastor P, you're reading my mind. No, I'm just telling you the thoughts that have been in my mind. That's why one of the first verses my youth pastor encouraged me to memorize, and it's um, in the NIV version. I usually teach out the NLT, NIV. It says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I have had to learn, and I'm still learning, by the way, how to take a thought captive and replace it with a scriptural truth. The enemy, listen, the enemy wants to use your mind as his playground. That's where the battle is. That's why we're told in Romans 12, too, to constantly renew our minds, which, which leads to the third thing. Isolation is not the solution. Now, I enjoy solitude. Solitude and isolation are different. 
There's some people in this room, you love sitting in a tree stand. Not me, but you love it. Some of you like just going for a walk, going for a hike. You want to go for a hike? Nope. Henry Ford invented an automobile, so we don't have to hike. It's not fun. It's ridiculous. I'll go for a drive. This afternoon, I'm going to spend some time in solitude. I'm going to go out on my back porch. I'm going to light up a cigar. I'm going to put some ice on my knee, and I'm going to relax. I ain't never heard of a pastor smoking cigars. Well, I do that so I won't vape, all right? So there you go. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I've never tried vaping. Not that I would not. Anyway, I love, I love to sit by a pool and read a book. I love to sit by the ocean, not in the ocean, and, and read a book. I, can, I love that. There's nothing wrong with solitude. But isolation is we, when we in, intentionally place ourselves in situations where we don't have to be around anyone. No one ever got healed all by themselves. But if the enemy, listen, if the enemy can get you by, there's so many metaphors in the scriptures, and, and one of the most common metaphors for us is sheep. Which at first, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that because sheep are stupid. Like, they really are. They're not smart animals. But when the wolves come and attack the sheep, they don't attack the sheep near the shepherd. They attack the sheep that are on the fringes of the flock. So, so that's where the enemy is going to come after us when we're in isolation. Watch, watch what Elijah does. This is, this is and, and I'm calling this out because this is what, what we all tend to do. By the way, you can be in the middle of a crowded room and be isolated. Elijah, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba. Now, at first, that's like, okay, well, he's getting around some people, going to see somebody. This is going to be good. He's going to get some help. But hold on. A town in Judah, he left his servant there. Now, his servant wasn't really like his slave. His servant was like the person that kind of partnered with him and did ministry with him. And, and the person that knew him best... He got away from them. By the way, anytime we're trying to get away from the people that know us the best, that's a red flag. Red flag. Now watch this. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. This is Elijah attempting suicide. Now, I know what some of y'all thinking, Pastor P, that's a stretch. No, it's not. In that part of the world, when you walk a day's journey into the desert with no food and no water, you're not planning on walking out. This Bible hero who a chapter before was calling down fire and rain is on the verge of death. How does this happen? How does this happen? Well, the, the enemy attacks our mind. He isolates us. And anytime he isolates us. Now, what I'm about to share with you, this did not come from a book. It did not come from a document I read. This is, this is, this is what I've 
found just writing stuff down. The first thing we experience is blame. When we, when we isolate ourselves, we start blaming people. And, um, man, I can, I can blame my problems on just about everybody. But then sooner or later, that blame, when you're by yourself, you'll eventually start blaming yourself, which leads to self-pity. You feel sorry for yourself. I've done it. You've done it. And then what's, the, what's crazy is self-pity is temporarily empowering because we can get other people to join us on that journey. But the dangerous thing about self-pity is it always turns into self-hatred. can't believe I'm doing this. And here's what's crazy about the enemy. He can put a thought in our minds and make us think that we thought the thought. And after self-hatred comes self-harm. Now, it's a process. It's a process. Self-hatred to self-harm. It starts off as Anorexia, bulimia, cutting, and eventually taking your own life. Suicide is the third leading cause of death in our country for people ages 10 to 14. That's a problem. By the way, and I, just by the way, and I'm going to mention this, I'm going to say it, I don't really care if anybody gets mad. On that list of top 10 things that's killing children ages 10 to 14, COVID's not on it. Isn't it funny how the media wants to rave about something, but the, the things that are really going on, they don't want to talk about it. Oh, by the way, between the ages of 15 and 34, it's the second leading cause of death. But nobody wants to talk about it because you, you offend somebody or you make somebody feel weird. I'm just, I'm just telling y'all, I know what it's like to be in that circle. And eventually, if you stay in that circle, this place becomes deadly. Which point number four is where I'm trying to get to. Healing begins with a connection with Jesus. Now, I want you to notice something. I did not say healing happens. I said healing begins. Because if you've dug a hole six foot deep and you're already laying in it, it it's going to take a while to get out of that mindset. It's a process. It's a process. How I many you know it's a, it's, it's a process? You didn't get there overnight. You won't get out overnight. And it starts with, <laughs> it starts with getting real. I mean, I've been in church world for a long time now. I can remember when I first started going to church, people that would pray fake prayers. And you're, I know some of you, you can't be judgmental and say they were fake. I absolutely can because they turned into a different person when they prayed. We'd be talking how you doing, man? It's good to see you, man. It's good. Do you see that thing? Yeah, man, it's awesome. Okay. We're going to pray. Everybody hold hands. We're going to pray. All right, you ready? Father God, in the name of Jesus. I'm like, did God just go deaf? What are you doing right now? 
take that and combine it with, now I didn't, I should, we should have set this up and, and did a survey, but I'll guarantee you if I would have stood at the front door of this church this morning and when you walked in, I asked you how you were doing, you were responded to me, fine, uh-huh, fine, fine. And there's a lot of people here today, that's not true. I love the prayer that Elijah prayed. What kind of prayer do you think a man that called down fire from heaven, prayed so hard that it rained, like what kind of prayer does that guy pray when he hits rock bottom? Father, I thank you for these trials and these tribulations, and I know that, Jesus, you are going to bring me through this valley. Mm -mm. Let's go back and look at it again, because we just read it. Let's look how real he gets. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Evidently, he didn't go to church. You're not supposed to tell God those things. God will get mad. God will be mad. I've had enough. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. This right here is the beginning of his healing process, and he didn't even know it. You know how I know? Because it got real. He went to, God, my life sucks. I got somebody trying to kill me. I can't pay my bills. My relationship's falling apart. I'm losing my job. God, I hate my life. Getting real equals getting healed. And we can't get healed until we get real. But I know why you're scared to get real, especially in the church. Because if you get real in the church, you might get asked to leave. You might get kicked out. But the thing I discovered about Jesus in the Gospels is Jesus runs to honest, messy people and, and takes them where they are and changes them into who they need to be. Now, I love this. This blew my mind when I saw it for the first time. In fact, to all my charismatic friends, I threw my Bible down and ran around the living room twice. <laughs> Watch this. Then he lay down and slept under a broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Isn't that cool? Now, I know what some of y'all think. I could think I could make it if an angel touched me. I mean, maybe. We all have different supernatural experiences. I know I had one that day in the desert where God told me, I'm not through with you. It wasn't an angel. It was just I heard his voice so clear. But watch what happens, because I'm going to show you something that when I saw it, it blew my mind. He looked around there, and beside his head was some Bread baked on hot stones in a jar of water, which is a miracle because he's in the desert. I mean, there's not even food trucks out there. So he ate and he drank and laid down again. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're saying, Pastor Pete, is, I thought you said it begins with a connection with Jesus. Well, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And everything in the scriptures point to Jesus. So how do you get Jesus out of this text? Well, it's... It's right there. Bread. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. And he drank 
water. Jesus said in John chapter 7, I am the living water. He has an encounter with Jesus. But I said it was a process, right? So the Bible goes on to say, then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more. Or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And because he was willing to have that encounter with Jesus, step into the healing process, eventually God told him to go to a guy named Elisha and call Elisha to walk with him. Elisha became one of his best friends. And Elisha, Elijah did 14 miracles in Israel. Elisha did 28 miracles. Even the, the one we talked about the past few weeks with Naaman. Don't miss this. If Elijah pulls off his own death, we don't get Elisha. We don't get Naaman. We, there's so much we miss out on. And the reason I would encourage you to be, get real today with God is because you have a heavenly father that cares more about you than you could ever imagine. And you might be sitting here doubting, I don't believe it. Then why are you here listening to this message when two weeks ago you wouldn't even been close to a church? I was... Um, I was kind of looking ahead to the next series after Are We Living in the End Times? Um, in case Jesus doesn't come back while we're doing that series. That would be so cool if he would just pull that off. That would be amazing. would love that. But after that, we're going to do Easter. And after Easter, we're going to do a series called I Love the 90s. And that's going to be fun. That's going to be a lot of fun because a lot of cool stuff happened in the 90s. And I was looking at the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. If you're around my age, you remember the 92 Olympics, because that's when we sent the dream team. And Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and Charles Barkley, I mean, the greatest basketball team ever assembled. Christian Leitner, he just sat on the bench. But, like, like it was amazing. But as I was kind of looking into that, one of the most popular stories out of the 92 Olympics was, was a guy named Derek Redmond. He was from the U.K. He was a sprinter. He was running the 400-meter race. And he was one of the favorites to win. Halfway through the race, in the article, he said, I heard something pop like a gun. I took two more steps, and then I was on the ground. He absolutely obliterated his hamstring. Laying on the ground, weeping. And you, by the way, you can go to YouTube and watch this. I watched it um, Thursday and couldn't stop crying. Because he, he, he pushes himself up. And he's, he's, he's trying to run, but he's limping. He's limping. All of a sudden, this random guy comes out of the stands. Like, he, you can see him come through the stands, and some of the people are trying to get, and he's, he's not having it. And he puts Derek's hand over his shoulder. It's his dad. And he said, I'm going to help you finish this race. This is... This is what it looked like. And we'll look at a story like that and we'll celebrate it. And it should be celebrated, but I don't want you to miss the point. 
that your Father in heaven will help you take your next step, whatever that next step is, because our Father in heaven is stronger than Derek Redmond's dad. He's never left us. We have never walked alone. We have never been abandoned. Even when we're not aware of his presence, he's still there with us. You know, I was thinking about it this week. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful I didn't take my life in July 2016 because I'd have missed out. I'd have missed out on some of the best friendships that I've ever had. I would have missed out on getting to lead this church. I would have missed out on getting to marry Shannon. I would have missed out on so much. For those of you considering suicide, it's just the enemy trying to get you to miss out on God's best for you. See this gun. Once again, empty. This gun has power. This bullet has power. But the only reason these things have power is because I give it to them. And in Christ, I can take authority over everything that comes my way. And if Jesus crushed the devil's head, then in Christ, I can crush what he was trying to use to destroy me. And so can you. So can you. See, it wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me. It wouldn't bother me if we lost fights over and over and over again because the devil was stronger than us. But we're told in 1 John, the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Like Jesus is strong. Why, why do we keep losing battles to someone who we've been given power and authority over in the name of Jesus? So if you're here today and you're wrestling, like you're wrestling with this, I get it. I understand, but I'm telling you, if, if Jesus can bring me through it, he can bring you through it too. And one day, even though it might seem dark right now, you'll stand, you'll stand in front of a group of people and say, I'm not a victim, I'm a survivor. So Father, right now I want to thank you for, like the old hymn says, victory in Jesus. I want to pray, God, that that's what we would know and feel over these next few moments. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're, if you're here today, you're in this room, and 
someone close to you, someone close to you experienced death by suicide and it just wrecks you. Or in the past you have struggled with suicidal thoughts. Or you're currently struggling and fighting that battle. If any of those things are true for you, I want to pray for you today. I want our church to pray for you. But in order to know who you are, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. Just stand up. Just stand up. This is the safest place in the world to be real. If you've ever struggled with these thoughts, had a friend or a family member that experienced this, you're currently so I want you to just stand to your feet right now. I want you to stand up right now. Stand up. You can't get healed until you get real. This is the safest place on the planet to do it. Nobody's going to think you're weird. Nobody's going to think you're weird. I want you to walk out of this place today filled with hope, filled with healing, filled with peace. I want you to know there's a God who has a plan for you and he has not given up on you. He has not given up on you. Somebody needs to hear that right now. He has not given up on you. For everybody that's seated, I want you to look around and see if there's somebody standing next to you or near you. And if so, I want you to stand up and just put your hand on their shoulder. I just want you to put your hand on the shoulder and I want you to pray for them right now. I don't want anybody standing without somebody praying for them. Look around, look around, look around. I don't want anyone standing without somebody having their hand on them and praying for them. You say, this is weird. No, this is church. This is church. You don't, you don't have to know their name. You don't even have to know what they're going through. I just want you to pray for them. I want you to pray that God would speak healing into their life. I want you to pray that God would speak hope into their life. I want you to pray that God would give them a sense of joy and a sense of purpose. I want you to pray that they would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God can do anything. He can do anything. Jesus, I want to thank you today that you have given us the strength and the power and the wisdom to overcome. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you need to speak with someone about what you stood for, whatever it is, we have an incredible, incredible group of people here, our care team, people that love Jesus, love you, that are equipped to have these conversations. And if you need to talk to someone today, I want you to feel the freedom to step out of your road right now and walk out these back doors. And I just want you to go. I just want you to go. People are going, so if you need to go, you're not weird. If you need to have that conversation today, I want you to go. I want you to go right now. I don't want you to feel trapped. I want you to know that you can go. You can have that conversation today. For the rest of us, maybe the reason Maybe the reason you've almost given up is you've never prayed to receive Christ. You need a relationship with Jesus. You need, you need Jesus inside of you. If that's you today, I want right where you stand, I just want you to, if you know you need Christ, you need a relationship with Jesus, I want you to pray right where you're standing. Just pray, Jesus Christ, in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner, and I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross, rose from the grave, to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. In Jesus' name I pray.
with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life, to do me a favor right now because I want to pray for you and put your hand straight in the air. Just put it up straight in the air because I want to see it. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Hi, hi, hi. Raise them high. Father, I want to thank you for these hands in the air. I want to thank you to Jesus today for brand new life. I want to thank you, Jesus, for abundant life. I want to thank you for the person today that walked in, that God, that felt like they were going through hell, but they received some hope along the way. Father, I pray as we walk out of this room, we would know that the same Holy Spirit that brought Jesus back from the grave lives inside of us which means that nothing is impossible, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, and we will walk in your victory. Everybody that agreed with this said amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Me too. We'll see you guys back here next Sunday. Y'all have a great week.